Cheeseheads. Get on your feet. It's Curd and Law. Hosted by Sparky Fighter and Ryan Horvath. Welcome in to Curd and Long. Steve Sparky Pfeiffer. That's me. Follow me on uh, Twitter at Sparky Radio. Check out uh, all the fine stuff going on over at 1250amthefan.com. Uh, weekly interviews I do with Tim Dillard, Brewers analyst. You also can check out the most recent interview I did last night after the Packers' uh, crushing defeat to the Lions 34-20 to with Eli Berkovitz of the Packer Report and Pack-A-Day Podcast. Go check that out uh, there as well or on your Odyssey app. Same place you can download this podcast or you download your favorite podcast at. He is Ryan Horvath at Ryan Horvath on Twitter. Of course, you can check him up bet mgm tonight weeknights nick Cashew, trista crick and him and more importantly saturday mornings ryan horvath flying solo bet ql uh, countdown to kick or no tailgate to kick off that's a tailgate to kick off with ryan horvath get you ready for all the big college football games every saturday if you're in the milwaukee area you can check that out at 8 a.m on 12 50 am the fan also one other thing before we let ryan horvath vent and i'm sure i'll probably vent somewhat as well because these are the only places I get to really talk about this starting on Monday, starting on Monday, every Monday at 1130. I'm going to be starting a new feature called Sparky Live, um, and you'll only be able to participate in Sparky Live if you're on the Odyssey app. So kind of like a solo daily show, I guess, without it being a podcast, but you can only really do it on your phone. Um, but you can participate like a caller could on a radio show, kind of like Twitter spaces. I guess that's the best way to do it. It's like the Odyssey version of Twitter spaces. So every day, Monday through Friday at 1130 a.m. Central Time, if you want to partake, we'll talk Brewers, Bucks, Packers, Badgers, national stories, whatever the case may be. Please come join me so I don't talk to myself every day. That would be great. Uh, okay, Ryan Horvath. So I pushed everything aside uh, so to give you some uh, leeway here to kind of just go off um, because you said you're fuming. I will tell you at halftime of that game, which, by the way, the first half probably was the worst half of football on offense that I've seen the Packers play since pre-Brett Favre, pre-Domikowski, probably back to like the Anthony Dilwig Blair Keel days is probably the worst bit of offense I've seen ever uh, from this Packers offense. It was brutal. But at halftime, I just simply tweeted out Packers games at halftime and the Bucks have Damian Lillard. I'm good. And that's it. I'm good. Like, I don't, I don't care. They could have gotten beat 70 to 20. I would have been fine because the Bucks have Damian Lillard. Big welcome party at the at the Deer District Plaza on Saturday coming up. That's going to be a lot of fun. Bucks are going to be a blast to watch. The Packers are in a building process. We all knew this was going to happen. We all knew they weren't going 15 and one. You're going to have games like this. We all knew this was going to happen. We all said seven to nine wins. And again, they're two and two after four games. Yeah, I'm good. I'll take it. I'm fine. Are there things to be mad about? Sure. Uh, and Ryan will start uh, with the venting process. Go ahead, Ryan. You know, it's funny. You either uh, die the hero or you live long enough to be. Now I'm a Jordan Love apologist, according to social media. This is hilarious, <laughs> man. So I tweeted out last night, and I think this is actually a really good take. I've rewatched this game twice now. I'm waiting for the L22, obviously, because we're taping right. the day after. But I said Jordan Love wasn't very good tonight. I don't blame Jordan Love. He was set up for failure, terrible play calling, way too much A.J. Dillon, still empty backfields against the Lions yep. pass. Right. No short, quick throws to build confidence early in yep. the game. Still no, no clue how to use Aaron Jones. And somebody tweeted. All accurate. Somebody hit me, of all people, with uh, this one. It says, oh, sure, give Jordan Love a pass. I'm shocked. Now I'm giving Jordan Love a pass. So here's the thing. I went back. I watched the game because I was doing a live show, and I thought I was losing my mind. To start the game, three straight drives, three straight three and outs, and I know Aaron Jones is not healthy. I know A.J. Dillon is not very good, 
But if Aaron Jones is healthy enough to play in this football game. Thank you. Christian Watson is healthy enough to play in this football game, right? I get there on a snap count. Yep. Let's use those snaps in a more valuable way. And let's use those snaps before it's a three-score deficit as well. Because when Aaron Jones got his first touch in that game, they were already down three scores. It's like, hey, we're down. on the ball the first six plays of the game. The first two drives, they never attempted a run. Three drives. Three drives. Was it the three drives? The third drive, they went back-to-back handoffs to AJ. Right. Yeah. So the first two drives, they ran no play. They had no runs the first two drives. It wasn't until the third drive that they actually got to the running the football. Yeah. So, you know, defensively, they pick off Jared Goff, just sitting there in zone. Terrible decision by Goff. Then he plays, obviously, better the rest of the game. But two awful play calls. I took some notes. Two awful play calls on offense to set the Packers back. That was the thing. Like, Third and 19, three straight passing plays, nothing short. Um, this is after a turnover. You're gifted good field position. You don't run the football once. And, like, here's the thing, all right? So I just said it, man. If, if, if Aaron Jones is out there, he's on a snap count, at least use him as a decoy. At least have the threat of run because the Lions right now are generating a pass rush 35% of the time, right? And last night – they didn't even have to blitz Jordan Love. They were getting natural pressure with three or four guys, meaning they could drop extra guys back into coverage. You know, you see this all the time with the rush three, drop eight. That confuses a young quarterback like Jordan Love. Also, that's a quarterback in Jordan Love playing a good defense. The Lions also number five against the run. Like, that defense is legit. All Very good. Second half of last season. So make things easy. Let them build some confidence. It's prime time. The lights are on. It's a divisional game against a good team. And there's no quick throws. It's Jordan Love in the pocket, holding on to the ball. you got to beat up offensive line. Elton Jenkins is out. David Bakhtiari is out for the rest of the season. We're going to get to that here shortly. So make life easy for your quarterback playing behind a makeshift offensive line, and that was not the case. So, no, Jordan Love was not very good last night. But I do not blame Jordan Love. I blame Matt LaFleur, or I blame uh, whoever's calling the plays right now for Green Bay. It's LaFleur. Uh, Adam Stenovich. You know, it's LaFleur. Whoever's whoever's coming up with this game plan, because Sparky, that was one of the worst game plans I've seen in NFL history. He's no longer Matt LaFlower. He's also too soft for me. He was crying at halftime again. He looked like he was crying at the podium. Oh, he no, he was it. pissed. At, he was pissed after the game, dude. He that was I tweeted, quote tweeted it and said, that's my favorite Matt LaFleur presser ever. He was mad. He yelled at Pete Doherty and just went off. And again, it was uncalled for. It was uncalled for. He should not yell at Pete yeah. Doherty. But I'm telling you, he was salty. And you even heard, who was it uh, that brought it up? Wildy, I think. Jason Wildy said, okay, Matt, I know you're angry and you're salty about what happened. But because everybody in that room had never seen LaFleur, I don't think that pissed off. They asked him about the the, the, the rush defense. He put his head down. And you could see he just wanted to just explode. He's like, well. We can't keep doing the same thing we're doing because clearly it's not working. Something has to change. You cannot allow them to run the football because we have to be able to take away some part of the opposing offense. And if we can't do that, it's going to put us in a horrible position. I'm telling you, Joe Barry, and I know you're all going to laugh at me, tell you, he's on thin ice, tell you right now, if they play that Raider team and Josh Jacobs runs for like 150 or whatever for the Raiders, he may not be there. He may not be there in the bye week. He may be gone in the bye week, folks. I'm telling you, I don't have inside information. I'm just reading LaFleur. He was pissed. If they don't fix it, I'm telling you, Joe Barry may be gone in the bye week. I'm telling you right now. And that was the angriest I've ever seen LaFleur in a presser. There was no crying LaFleur in the presser. That was straight up, I'm angry at the world right now. 
And it was Wildy that kind of pushed out there of, well, don't you have to be kind of happy that they fought back type deal? And he said, yeah, right. Yeah, I'm happy. No doubt. And I heard what you said, uh, I, I, what you were talking about at, at the half. You could hear his voice crack when he was talking about he wants to see some fight from his team. Like he was all getting emotional. I tweeted this out, Ryan. I saw it. He, and I- he talks about... Jordan loves maturity and the ups and downs of a season, right? Young quarterback, and he's going to have to face adversity. And how does he get through it? I'm here to tell you, Matt LaFleur, for the first time, is facing his first adversity as a head coach. And how is he going to get through it? There was a tweet by Garofalo. Uh, is that his name, Mike Garofalo? I think that's who it was. An ESPN. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's not his name. I don't know. Anyways, some guy from NFL Network or ESPN tweeted out that LaFleur was laying into his offense on the sidelines when they came off after that last drive around the two minute mark that he was had them all lined up and was going off on them. Then they got into the locker room and I'm assuming it continued and they came out and played better in the second half. But I disagree with LaFleur as far as he was pissed last night. That was the angriest I've ever seen him in a postgame press conference by far. Yeah. Okay. So here's the thing. All right. And you could clip this because not only am I going to defend Jordan love, I'm also going to defend the Packers media who I'm pretty sure like half of them just show up and they're like, hey, it's always been my dream to cover the Green Bay Packers. Here's a credential, but not Pete. I thought that was a great question by Pete, and I thought that that was uncalled for for Matt LaFleur. Yeah, I want to see him show some fire too, but I want to see him show some fire on the sideline, yelling at the guys on the sideline or coaching his team or get on Joe Barry's ass, but I don't even think you could really blame Joe Barry last night. And hear me out. The defense wasn't good and last night. you're defending night. Joe Barry? <laughs> and I'm going to defend Joe Barry too. <laughs> I will. All right. So I'm, I'm defending the Packers media, Jordan Love, and Joe Barry today. Oh and I'm God. ripping Matt LaFleur, who I'm usually okay. pretty easy on. He's no longer Matt LaFleur. He's too soft. He's now Matt LaFleur. Okay. Until he starts crying, stops crying at the podium, he's Matt LaFleur to, to me now. So I thought that was a good question from Pete because at halftime, when he had tears in his eyes, he was questioning his team's effort. He said, I'm going to go in the locker room. I need to see some fight from these guys. I need to see more. He was questioning his team's effort. And Pete, myself, anybody with eyeballs, anybody not named Ray Charles, like honestly that watched that game last night, we all questioned the effort on the defensive side of the ball other than Quay. But I can't rip the defense because the defense, like all game long, because there was no creativity with the play calling and because it was three and out after three and out until the second half of the game when the Lions dropped back into prevent, the defense, short fields all game long, good field position for a good Lions offense. Also, let's not forget, you're down Devondre Campbell, your green dot, your most important linebacker, obviously, most important player on the defense, to be quite honest with you. And then Jair Alexander, your best cover corner. So you're having to play more zone. You know, Rasul Douglas is in a different role. You still don't have Stokes out there. Joe Barry last night was just working with the straps that he was given. And don't get me wrong, like he's not good at all. He shouldn't have this job. Like, he should not be in the National Football League. He was the coordinator of an 0-16 team. Joe Barry, like, so these guys, I don't get it, man. Like, these guys that have success with McVay and then they get a job the next year, it doesn't make sense. It's kind of like when Nick Saban takes some degenerate, lets them call plays for two years, even though you're just running the Alabama offense. Then he gets a head coaching gig, and then everybody's shocked, shocked that Bill O'Brien isn't a good head coach. Right. But it's tough to blame Joe Barry for last night. Okay, it's so here's one example. Love, I blame Matt LaFleur. That was the worst game plan 
I after the game, I then watched Mike McDaniel's in the Dolphins game plan where they hung 70 on on, on the Broncos. And here's the last thing I want to say because you know, all I ever heard was, oh, Aaron Rodgers is in and tweet Ellerson in this, put him in this. Oh, Aaron Rodgers is changing the plays at the line of scrimmage. Rodgers is going rogue. Oh, I can't wait till Rodgers is gone and Jordan Love takes over so we could finally see the LaFleur offense. That's the LaFleur offense? But see, Rodgers, Rodgers was changing plays at the line of scrimmage. Aaron Jones didn't touch the ball until they were down 24 to 3. There is no pre-snap motion. There is no creativity. You have if Christian Watson's hurt, use him as a decoy. Right? Where's the window dressing? I, I the LaFleur offense might suck, Spark. Sorry, bad no, news. Th- this is the deal. It hadn't sucked necessarily. First week, we're all like, all right, this looks good. Everything looks good. They're running the ball. They're throwing the ball. And then they get uh, to Atlanta. Uh, and Jones pulls up with a hamstring injury. And all of a sudden, everything kind of changed for LaFleur at that point. And since then, it hasn't looked very good. Saints game for three quarters wasn't very good. Trying to figure it out. We said it in preseason, Ryan. That if you watch the preseason games, loves in the shotgun a lot, a lot of four wide receiver sets. And I said, everybody that thought they were going to run the football a lot, it doesn't look like it. This looks a lot like what we had with Aaron Rodgers outside of motion. And you're right about the motion, too. Didn't seem like there was a lot of that last night. You've got Jaden Reed. You're not running jet sweeps. You're not doing any of that stuff. Any of that would have helped to prevent some of what was going on against the Lions. It's I'm 1,000% with you, Ryan Horvath. That was an awful game by Matt LaFleur from an offensive standpoint. Awful. But to the Joe Barry side of things, Andy Herman tweeted this out last night after the game. Uh, follow him at Andy Herman NFL Pack-A-Day Podcast. Too many times, scheme and personnel just don't make sense. Lions come out in 11 personnel, which normally Green Bay and most teams likely go nickel against, right? Which is fine. But this is at the two-yard line. Green Bay comes out with two defensive linemen. You're in nickel, so okay, but there's no way in hell you're surviving a run with Holland, Slayton, Brooks, and Ingabari as your first line of defense against five offensive linemen and a tight end. Predictably, the Lions run, and it's the easiest touchdown ever. Now, that is on Joe Barry for setting out, you know, not goal line personnel, but acting like he's in the middle of the field playing that type of defense. So from that perspective, there obviously is still some blame for Joe Barry at the end of the day. But... That defense and their job is not made any easier, Ryan, when your offense is consistently going one, two, three punt. I think it was five consecutive play, five consecutive series that they couldn't get a first down or something like that in the game. You have to figure out ways to obviously move the football. This is the other thing. Quay Walker. Can we talk about Quay Walker? Was that Quay Walker's best game as a Packer up until the dumb penalty at the end of the game? Yeah, he was great. I mean, he was like the only guy that looked like he actually wanted to be there last night. He was playing with effort. He was flying to the ball. I mean, he's a player, man. I mean, at least he's he's got the talent. Uh, so, yeah, I'd say definitely. Then we have the dumb penalty. He plays Frogger over the line, and instead of giving up three, they get a first down, they get a touchdown, three-possession game, game is over. And on Twitter, everybody's going nuts. What an idiot. How do you not know that rule? Blah, 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 blah. Quincy Avery on uh, Twitter tweets out, I'm going with you. Doesn't know the rule, and I quote tweeted. I said, "I'm with you. I, I don't think you knew the rule either." Then you see Matt Lafleur on the sidelines kneeling by Quay Walker and asking him, "Like what happened?" And you could see Matt Lafleur's face of just kind of did this and got up and walked away. Then in the post game presser, he voluntarily said that 
Yeah, we got to do a better job making sure our players know what the rules are. That's on us for not coaching them up and making sure they don't know what, making sure they know all the rules and so forth. So Walker did not know that was a rule, had no idea that was a rule that you couldn't take a running start and jump over everybody, had no clue, none whatsoever. And that's why they ended up with a penalty. He didn't shove a referee. He didn't shove a coach. It was a player not knowing the rules. Should he have known the rules? Yes, obviously. Right. No question. But he didn't know the rule. And again, we go back to Basaccia. That kick returns team, Ryan, does that look like it did last year with Keyshawn Nixon? It doesn't look anywhere close to like it looked last year. No, man. And like, that was the only thing. Like, with this offseason, everybody's like, oh, Keyshawn Nixon's back. And I was like, do you guys really expect that again this year? This isn't like 1997 when you had Devin Hester and Dante Hall. It's hard to, that's really not sustainable. Like, kick returns and he's not even returning punts. And yeah, the special teams, not great. But with Quay, like, I don't know, that one didn't bother me as much as everybody else on social media because I kind of understood who Quay was at Georgia. And this isn't like a knock or me like saying he's dumb or anything, but the people that I would talk with and I watch Quay, they're like, Quay's at his best when he doesn't have to think. Right. Like when he can just go out there and just yep. make a play. And I don't know, like that was just to me a super athletic guy, not knowing a rule. And the first thing I thought was exactly what LaFleur said. That's coaching. That's coaching. Like, how does he not know that? And now he does know that and he won't do it again. Correct. Right. Like, that doesn't bother me. If he punched a trainer in the face or fought an assistant coach, I'd be like, all right, this guy's got to go. There's a screw loose. But yeah. him just being like super athletic and not thinking and like trying to make a football play to help his team win a game when everybody else is being lazy as crap out there didn't really bother me as much as everybody else on social media. You know, especially like it's a fast paced game. Sometimes you're just not thinking out there. I, that didn't. I don't know. I like Quay. He's two he's, the he's two Jordan Love interceptions real quick. I know we we're going to talk more about Jordan Love through the first four games, but quick. The first one gets deflected, right? And gets picked off. It is what it is. The second one is something you and I talked about all preseason of this is going to happen because of the inexperience. Dobbs yeah. breaks in, he's open. Love has to move and move a little bit in the pocket, throws the ball, Dobbs takes off for the corner, it's thrown right to the line. Interception. Basketball floor about it after the game. He goes, Hey man, that's football. He goes, he goes, I didn't talk to either one of them about it. He goes, but I'm guessing Dobbs thought it was scramble, scramble drill. So just get open. So he took off for one position. Love wasn't thinking the same thing, thought he was open. So threw the ball and they weren't on the same page. He took off like that's going to happen. And that's going to happen when you don't have that chemistry. If that's Rogers and Jordy Nelson, they both know what they're doing, right? There's him and Devonte Adams. They both know what they're doing. These guys are still learning each other. And this is going to happen. I promise you, this is going to happen more during the season. Yeah, man. Like I knew these things were going to happen. These are growing pains. Jordan Love's not a finished product. And, you know, I mean, like, this is the thing. Jordan Love, these are this is the youngest wide receiver room. I, I'm getting a kick out of like now, like all these casuals, like these people that don't follow the team and they're talking about like Luke Musgrave and stuff. And I was saying this last night, like I went from watching Aaron Rodgers throw the ball to Devontae Adams to now like Jordan Love throwing the ball to Josiah DeGuara and Jaden Reed. And, you know, Wicks, like this is going to be a process here. Wicks was barely a part of the game last night. Musgrave goes out with that concussion, never came back or what he was in there for was a concussion. That probably hurt him, too, because I'm sure Musgrave was a part of the game plan because the Lions haven't been able to cover tight ends all that well. Yeah, but I mean, I think this is a different story. If it's Jordan Love first year as a full time starter with the healthy David Bakhtiari. With and Jenkins, Jenkins, yeah, Devonte Adams, the best wide receiver in the league, no doubt. I, I like. I know you guys. 
not so much you, but I know everybody like wants to run to defend Brian Gutekinds. I don't think Gutekinds is good at his job. I think this offense is going to be really, really good. It's not going to be this year, probably. The defense, the, the defense is, is, is his babies. Do you think yes. the defense is good? Correct. I don't. Well, again, it all depends. So we've gone through how many defensive coordinators, right? I don't think we always yell. We always yell, ah, oh, defensive coordinator is horrible. Get a new one. They get a new one. Same old story. Defensive coordinator is horrible. Get a new one. All right, we go through it all again. So I don't, to answer your question, Ryan, I don't know, but you're right. They've spent a whole hell of a lot of draft capital on that side of the ball and haven't gotten anything in return for it. Nothing. They're not good. You know, Jair is good. Jair is good, but Jair is a corner. Um, The safety. Carl Brooks looks good. Like I know who. Carl Brooks looks good. He had another sack last night. He's playing well. The rookie defensive line. Okay, in in three years he'll probably be a pick and save bagging groceries. Stop! No, no. Red Jones looked good for a year too. Here's like every year though, man. Like. We blame it's Capers, right? It's Mike Patton. It's Joe Barry. And these guys aren't good. Don't get me wrong. Like, they should not have jobs. Again, general manager. You can, every, Blame LaFleur for being loyal. But, like, this this falls on Goot. This team falls on Goot. And lowballing Devontae Adams a couple years ago was dumb. I get he was going to be a 30-year-old wide receiver. But, I mean, you watch it. I still think he's the best route runner in the league. And, man, imagine, like, Jordan Love now with Devontae Adams. And then Dobbs is your number two. Watson's your number three. Yep. You know, you have young tight ends. You Jay have a good your four. It's hard. Like, this year is going to be really hard for me to be hard on Jordan Love because, especially in with, like, with Christian Watson's injury history, I know it's a short sample size because it's two years. He's never healthy, man. Like, he's so big, tall, and fast. I feel like he's always going to have these soft tissue issues. None of these guys are ever out there. None of them are available. I said it, like, trade David Bakhtiari going into the season. He clearly didn't want to be there. He's never going to be healthy. It's crazy that now all of a sudden, like we want to do right by our offensive linemen and we want to hold on to these guys past 30. You know, like we didn't do that with TJ Lang, Josh Sitton, Corey Lindsley. And now we're doing it with Bakhtiari. I think Bakhtiari's done- cap hit was too big in fairness. I mean, next year the cap hit goes down to like 16 million dead cap number. So I think they could cut him after this year if they want, or they can trade him after this year. I'm guessing they're going to cut him because he's not going to be healthy all year. I know, but I like I just wanted something in return for him. And now that market, that's never going to be the same market ever again. Even right. the Jets won't give you anything for David Bakhtiari. They'll just draft a tackle, and they'll yep. be bad enough. They'll have a first-round pick. Uh, so it's going to be really hard to like rag on Love after a bad game like this or after he throws some interceptions. Because here's the other thing, man. Love sitting back there in the pocket, in empty, even though you have these two great running backs that I always hear about as far as efficiency. He's getting teed off on by guys like Aiden Hutchinson. You know what he's going to do in those games? He's going to play hero ball. He's going to say, screw it, man. Like, we're not – like, you watch the Dolphins or the Rams, Sparky. Like, the, the the Rams are doing what they're doing right now, and I get they're a one-and-two football team, but they're moving the football, and they're doing it with a guy named Puka and a guy named Tutu. You know why? Because Sean McVay <laughs> is scheming them down the damn field. Like, Matt LaFleur last night, that was the Aaron Rodgers offense. Where yes, you're it just- was. And, yes. and, you're, and like Jordan loves not Aaron Rodgers. He's right. never going to be. I'm sorry. Bad news, yes. people. So yep. you need to scheme wide receivers open, short, quick throws. What Jared Goff is doing, what Ben Johnson had, that game plan, that's what Green Bay should have. It's, it's hard for me to rag on Jordan Love for throwing some interceptions because you know what? If I got hit nine times, sacked four times, we're in the third quarter, we got no points on the board. You know what I'm going to start doing? Chucking that thing down the field too. Watson's down there somewhere. Yep. Dobbs down there somewhere. I'm sick of getting hit. So I can't blame Jordan Love. I can't really properly evaluate Jordan Love until you get Royce Newman off my football team. We, how have I made it right now? 23 minutes and 32 seconds without bringing up Royce Newman. We we talked about this. 
Sparky, how is he on this team? I don't how know. How is A.J. Dillon on this team? And I get like Matt LaFleur has to run A.J. Dillon because you got to work with the straps you're given. But there are other running backs off the street. Tim Biakabatuka is out there. He's 49 <laughs> years old. Call him off the street. A.J. Dillon can't find the hole to save his life, right? He's 260 pounds, yet guys my size and your size, defensive backs are taking him down, one, two defenders. He can't run the football. You, you got to stop. Royce Newman can't play in the National Football League. He's going to get Jordan Love killed. And if he gets Jordan Love killed, I have to watch Sean Clifford. And then I no longer will want to watch football ever again. You got to get Royce Newman off that field. He's terrible. Hey, he's uh, so bad. Like, watch. He's awful. Why? 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 LaFleur's talking about the run defense, throwing those guys under the bus last yeah. night for the first time in forever. You know, he says, if we keep doing the same thing, you know, that's insanity. You know, the definition yep. of doing the same thing over and over again. Putting Royce Newman on the football field is insanity. Yes. He can't play the position. He's yep. so bad. I try not to say, like, this guy sucks because he's a National Football League player, right? He's he's in the league. He's a professional athlete. He's no good. He's going to get somebody killed out there. Sorry, but, like, Royce Newman's got to go. He's got to go. I Thank you. For bringing up Tim Biakabatuka, because I don't know what happened to Tim Biakabatuka. He I resides in Matthews, North Carolina, and owns eight Bojangle restaurants in Augusta, Georgia. Huh? <laughs> See, that's what Biakabatuka's up to. He's not even fifty yet. He's forty-nine, I think, somewhere in that area. So he might still have some some legs underneath him. All right, let, let's move on to uh, some other topics we have lined up here. How would you try to fill the void left by David Bakhtiari? Reports by Ian Rappaport. Uh, he's got his knee scoped and then a possibly another surgery after that. LaFleur wouldn't confirm, deny, or do anything concerning Bakhtiari last night. He wouldn't want to talk about it. But Bakhtiari out, possibly for the year. What do you do, Ryan Horvath? How do you uh, fix this offensive line to the best of your capabilities? God, man. I mean, I don't even know that I have an answer to that because I, to be honest, the, the, the only way that you could fix that offensive line is by cutting Royce Newman, I think. Well, I've, you have options, right? So you could move when Jenkins comes back, whenever that is, you could put him at left tackle and you could slide Sean Ryan in, right? Their draft pick from last year, whatever it was. You could slide him in at left guard in place of Royce Newman, send Royce Newman to the bench. Uh, and then you still have running at right guard, by the way, not good uh, last night. Uh, and then Zach Tom at right tackle. So you could attempt to do that. You could put Yash Nyman back in there uh, at left tackle or put Yash Nyman at right tackle and attempt to have Zach Tom at left tackle. This is so, what I, I mean, can't, I can't, I can't. Have you could like put that. Nyman at right tackle, slide Tom in to left guard, and then have Jenkins at left tackle. That might actually be the best. Now that I'm thinking about this, maybe that's something to consider. Maybe Tom goes to left guard and Jenkins is at left tackle, and those two big guys are on the left side, and you run behind them. And that's yeah, how you run the football. And Yash Nyman is your right tackle, and you just hope and pray. At least Jordan Love can see if Nyman gets beat. That I, I think that's what I would do. I don't have an answer to this question because none of these are real options. None, none of these, none of these, this, none of this should be, this should not be an issue. And it's crazy because the Packers going into last night, according to pro football focus had the best offensive yes. line, the best pass blocking offensive line. Offensive yep. line right? And now just like that, we're back to where we were with Jenkins and Bakhtiari dealing with injuries and no back for the rest of the season. I guess what you said right there is the more that I think about it, that's probably your best option, but I don't like that option. And I don't like guys playing out of position. We've done that with Elton Jenkins and moved yep. him to. Well, 
I don't know that there's anybody that you could sign off the street because if there was anybody that you could sign off the street, I don't think Aaron Rodgers would be dead right now. I think that he would probably <laughs> the Jets would have made a phone call. Like that's the thing. Like this isn't just a Packers issue. You know what I mean? A lot right. of teams like the Bears have this problem, and this is a problem. Like this is what I'm saying though. These uh, everybody was so excited after their Super Bowl NFC Championship victory over the Bears Week One, and now they're facing a little bit of reality. I don't know, man. It's I don't like any oh. of those. Listen, listen, let's not freak out here. This schedule, the rest of this schedule is easy. So you've got the Chiefs. Okay, you're not being the Chiefs. You got the Lions again. That's going to obviously be tough. I think they play much better against the Lions the next time they see them. Having said that, the rest of this schedule are a bunch of non-playoff teams. Teams that are horrible right now. I mean, the Raiders, then you get a bye week. Then it's the Broncos, the Vikings. This team very well could get very good very quick because they're not going to be playing a, a bunch of tough teams. That Bronco defense went from being really good to really crappy under Sean Payton. So right. that that doesn't appear to be a big issue uh, going forward either. And you know, we'll see what about this Raiders defense. But it's is really quick on that is as bad as the Vikings are right now defensively. Do you really trust that the Packers are going to be able to get stops against Kirk Cousins in that offense? Well, yeah, because they can't run the ball either. I mean, it's yeah. the same thing. I mean, they didn't lose that game last night because Amaron St. Brown killed them. They lost that game last night because David Montgomery looked like Walter Payton or something no. back there running the football. And then I got to see Dan Plucker, my old producer on the big show, tweet out, oh, all you Packer fans, you know, ripping on David Montgomery. Well, he just ran for over 100 yards against the Packers. And I tweeted back, I'm like, stop. You know damn right well this rush defense has been horrible for years. Plucker could have ran for 100 yards against that Packer defense. It well, has nothing to do with David Montgomery. And he had like 32 carries. I actually thought that Ben Johnson did the Packers uh favor last night, not giving the ball to Jameer Gibbs anymore. Jameer Gibbs, given, average, Jameer Gibbs has been underutilized the whole time. He was averaging like nine yards a carry. You know what's funny though? You know why? Because as far as efficiency, he was number 30 in the league. You know what he did against Green Bay last night? Nine yards per pop. Yep. Defense sucks. This if team, you go back and look at that tape from last week, Ryan forgot who put it out there. I was watching the line tape from uh, last week. Dude, he missed Jameer Gibbs. He missed hole after hole after hole. It was amazing. And then finally in the fourth quarter, he figured it out. He had a 21-yard run. He had a 12-yard run. And he finally figured it out. For three quarters, he was missing hole after hole. Like, I don't know what he he wasn't seeing it or whatever, but yeah, it was bad. All right, yeah. so let's move on. Let's move on from Bakhtiari. Uh, how would you grade Jordan Love through four games? And again, it is what it is. It's not going to be an easy grade. I guess I'll start. I'll say a B. I can't give him an A necessarily, um, but I'll give him a B. I mean, all things considered with all the injuries they've had to deal with and everything else and everything that's kind of been thrown at him uh, and for this team to be two and two, and he really hasn't lost them a game per se, right? I mean, you can't look at a game and go, boy, Jordan Love threw four picks. He killed him that game. Defense shut him down. They lost. I don't think you could say Jordan Love lost them a game. I don't. I think you could say Jordan Love won them a game. He won them that game against the Saints in the fourth quarter. Granted, he didn't play well for three, but he definitely won them that game in the fourth quarter running that offense. And last night again, fourth quarter, away goes the offense. Now they just got to get figure out how to get the offense going for three quarters like they were against the Falcons. That's the other thing. They really haven't put together four quarters. I guess the Bears game, maybe they did, kind of. Um, yeah. But they haven't put together a game like that since the Bears game. So I'll, I'll go B for Jordan Love. Yeah, I'm a tough grader. I'll give him a C plus, uh, just because the Bears are a dumpster fire. That might yep. be the worst team in the National Football League. He looked good against them, uh, and it was week one. There wasn't a whole lot out there on Jordan Love yet. Week two, um, you know, was what it was, I guess. Week three against the Saints, like you said, the first three quarters was not very good. Then in the fourth quarter, 
did win him that game, helped him win that game, I should say. But like when he stepped up in class against two good defenses, the Saints and the Lions, he's been shaky. But again, like it's hard for me just to rag on Jordan Love. The play calling hasn't been very good, and I think he's Correct. been set up for failure. They haven't really been able to establish the run. I believe they're 27th in rushing efficiency, even with A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. So it's hard just to like throw it all on Love. But I just – with Love, I just kind of think he is what I thought that he was going to be. And I always said, like, I think he's a good quarterback. I don't think he's Aaron Rodgers. I don't think he's Patrick Mahomes. I don't think he's Tua. I don't think he's Justin Herbert. But I think he could be – like a better version of like a Chad Pennington. Like, I think he could win you 10, 11 games. I don't think he'll ever be the reason reason you lose football games. I think he's good enough to come back and help you win some football games, but I don't think you could take Jordan love and stick him with, um, you know, um, MVS EQ. No, like lesser talent he could win 11 12 games i don't even know that joe burrow could do that yet because joe burrow's always been surrounded by a bunch of talent like aaron Rodgers took some really bad teams to the nfc title game that team with ladarius gunter had no business oh, yeah. being in the playoffs that year right i mean patrick mahomes can take like last year i mean the chiefs defense is really good but it could be sky Moore, mvs you know what i mean like uh brady even really couldn't do that uh, in my opinion Oh, so, yeah. Brady's first time. He had David Gibbons, Tony, uh, Brown, Troy Brown. He had a bunch of small yeah, had, dudes my size running around out there, and he won a Super Bowl. Yeah, okay. So if Jordan Love had a top-five scoring defense, like if Jordan Love is the starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers, I think he's better than Brock Purdy, and yes. I think the Niners might be might be even better, right? Agreed. But I don't think you, – you know, you get what I'm saying? Like Jordan yeah. Love, I think he's good. He's not great. I think he'll be a pro bowler, but probably not a Hall of Famer. Yeah. And I'll tell you right now, if he's a pro bowler, that should be good enough for you to be in the playoffs every year, win this division, and have a chance to, to you know, get on that magic carpet ride like the Aaron Rodgers Packers did to go to a Super Bowl. And that's all you can hope for at that point. So, uh, all right. Uh, last topic coming up here. That is pick time. And our guy, Ryan Horvath, bet MGM tonight, of course, Saturday mornings, 8 a.m. on the fan in Milwaukee, all over the beautiful United States of America. You can check him out. His college picks every Saturday morning. Uh, and it's uh, simply called tailgate to kickoff with Ryan Horvath. He's got guests on every week for that one hour program. So if you're looking uh, and you want to throw it on some cash, some bets, whatever the case may be, or just get his take on a game. Now I do warn you, he's a big Notre Dame guy, right? So just understand going in, he's going to have some Notre Dame love. Uh, but outside of that, uh, Horvath's right on top of it. All right, Horvath, where do you want to go? College or pro first? I'll go, uh, let's do a little college first. And I like actually uh, a couple upsets this weekend. Big week for favorites, so I think we get some dogs home this weekend. I like Ole Miss. I bet them at plus three. They're down to two and a half right now. I also like the over. You know, LSU, they've had eight straight games go over the total. Uh, Offensively, LSU's as good as advertised. They have a really good wide receiver room with Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas. Jaden Daniels, their quarterback, has been really solid. He's staying in the pocket more this season, pushing the ball down the field. But look at who LSU's beat and who they look good against. They beat up on Mississippi State, who's terrible this season, and then they scored you know 70 points against Grambling. They didn't show up in the second half against Florida State. They almost lost to Arkansas last week as 17-and-a-half-point favorites. And like you said, I'm a Notre Dame fan, and I can tell you when Brian Kelly's in position for a perfect uh, Brian Kelly choke job, and that's this week. And Ole Miss's run defense actually has been improving every season. But the reason I like Ole Miss in the over here um, – LSU's defense right now is terrible. The one thing that 
Ole Miss could do with Lane Kiffin. They could hit explosive plays. LSU right now is outside the top 100 in success rate, bottom 10 nationally in passing down success rate. They're giving up explosive plays. They also can't tackle. Pro Football Focus has them outside the top 100, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense. They have a bunch of five-star talent. They do have eight sacks the last two weeks, but I think Ole Miss upsets LSU. I think we got a bunch of scoring in the game, so I do like Ole Miss and the points. Funny, you brought up Notre Dame, um, and I feel like everybody's going to like Duke this week, which makes sense because Mike Elko's done a great job. He's 13-4, and four, his first 17 head, uh, <laughs> games as head coach at Duke. Notre Dame's coming off that heartbreaking loss to Ohio State. Last season, they played really tough against Ohio State. Then the next week, laid an egg against Marshall as three touchdown favorites. But if you go back, you watch that game against Ohio State, Notre Dame absolutely bullied them. The play calling was just terrible. I just I think Duke's going to struggle to move the football against that Notre Dame defense. I think they bounce back. I'm worried about Clemson and USC down the road, but I think this is a perfect spot for Notre Dame to win by at least a touchdown. I think that number is short. And then I like Texas's team total over 20 and a half points in the first half. They're playing Kansas. Love Lance Leopold, what he's doing at Kansas, but uh, their defense is not very good. And Texas, their offense is the real deal. They're averaging yeah. 21 points in the first quarter. Quinn Ewers has been efficient all season long. He has one turnover worthy throw. Xavier Worthy is one of the best wide receivers in the country. The run game outside the top 90, that's what happens when you lose Bijan Robinson. But I actually think they might be able to run the ball in Kansas. They're outside the top 75 in rushing defense. So I like the team total over 21 points for Texas in the first half. And then in the NFL, I only need one this week. Only one. Bills, minus three, minus two and a half. I would love anything under a field goal. Everybody loves the Dolphins. I love the Dolphins. They just scored 70. I know they look great right now. Let's look at the defenses they've played, though. The Chargers, as crazy as it sounds with all that talent, outside the top 20 in passing defense. The Broncos with all that talent. They've given up already and quit on Sean Payton. The, the Bills have completely changed their offense the last two weeks. More heavy sets. They're using a bunch of two tight end sets, trying to limit those Josh Allen deep throws down the field that result in the turnovers. Bills defense is the real deal, too, and they don't even have Von Miller yet. I think the Bills at home win this game by at least a field goal. I think these two teams split. Miami probably gets them in Miami later on this year. But I like Buffalo to beat Miami this week. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, well, I'm going to go back to one college game because you didn't mention it and probably because you're staying away from it. Uh, does Dion's Colorado squad keep it close against USC? No, great question. This is one where I, I, I wanted to take Colorado. They opened as like 27-point dogs. Then it went to 24. Now we're all the way down to 21. I just, I don't know if Colorado is going to be able to run the ball because like USC could just drop eight. They could rush three. I, the, the reason that I haven't taken Colorado or I haven't taken USC and I like Oregon in that spot better is I just don't know that USC is going to be able to get three consistent stops. But also what worries me a little bit about Colorado is what you saw against Oregon in that video. They're going to get everybody's best shot because yes. all eyeballs are still going to be on that product, yep. right? All these casuals. Um, so I... It's a tough one for me to call. I would lean USC just because they're the more talented team. They're going to get up for this game. But I worry about their defense. Are they going to be able to stop Shador in that offense? But uh, I definitely think USC wins the game. Right now, lean them to cover. But I wouldn't be shocked if Colorado did keep that game close just because USC's defense does not look good. They almost lost to Arizona State last weekend, man. And Arizona State has, like, no players left on that roster. He is Ryan Horvath. Follow him on Twitter at Ryan Horvath. Bet MGM tonight, weeknights. Trista Crick, Nick Ashu, 
and Ryan Horvath. Uh, watch the games, uh, whether it be MLB games, NBA games, college games, whatever. They'll keep you updated on uh, what to do during these games. And their reactions are priceless, I promise you, especially if they've got some cash on any of these games as things are going good or bad. Some of the screenshots you see of Ryan Horvath and, and these guys are just classic reactions. It's good stuff. Saturday mornings, obviously, at 8 a.m. Central. Uh, tailgate to kick off college football, uh, the best college football uh, pregame show you're going to find on your radio dial with Ryan Horvath. Uh, of course, check it out on the fan in Milwaukee. Follow me at Sparky Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Kurt and Long Monday, Matthew Collier uh, will join us. Uh, Vikings uh, guy that covered the Vikings for a long time. He used to work with Romney Makhlouf. Uh, he's got a book coming out, but we're going to really focus on the NFC North, focus on what happened over the weekend in the National Football League. Uh, and looking forward to having him on the Curtin Long Podcast coming up on Monday. Don't forget, download this on your Odyssey app, wherever you download your favorite podcast, and, of course, on YouTube on the Odyssey Sports YouTube page. Enjoy the rest of your day, rest of the weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday. Toodles! 